0: I love bread. I can't stop eating rice. I'm a foodie. Do you connect with these statements? I constantly see people struggling with the idea of giving up carbs. Being Indians, our meals are primarily carbohydrate-based. In fact, I've spent a large part of my life eating them. Is it really a culture thing? Is it a lack of willpower? In this episode, I'm going to explain why it's not just an Indian culture thing, nor is it related to tradition. I'm going to explain the science behind why this breakup with carbs is the most difficult one. Hi, I'm Shweta Bhatia. I'm a registered dietitian and welcome to my podcast, Mind Your Fitness. I'm a foodie is a gentle indication of a love for good food. When such individuals are asked to reduce or give up certain foods because it clashes with their health goals, all hell breaks loose. And this is your first red flag that this food is addictive. How do you identify this? An addictive behaviour is related to the consumption of high-carb or high-carb with high-fat foods like rice, bread, chips, french fries and the likes. Intelligent people who understand the science and experience the benefits of a low-carb diet, follow it for a while and then relapse going back to eating those high-carb foods. Okay, let's do a little exercise. Think of five of your favorite foods that you tend to lose control over. Which group do they belong to? I've mentioned this in my earlier podcast too. We never crave healthy food. It's basic human nature. Now, what I'm about to tell you will blow your mind. Food addiction is on its way to becoming a clinical entity in its own right. Currently, it lacks validated treatment protocols and recognition as a clinical diagnosis. But it's high time that it gets clinical recognition and a more formalized management protocol. The American Psychiatric Association does not recognize food addiction as an eating disorder or substance abuse disorder. But their DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders criteria were used as a basis for the creation of the Yale Food Addiction Scale. DSM is the handbook used by healthcare professionals in the United States and much of the world as the authoritative guide to the diagnosis of mental disorders. It enlists criteria that should be met for diagnosing each of these conditions. The Yale Food Addiction Scale is a validated measurement tool that identifies eating patterns that are similar to behaviours seen in classic areas of addiction. It covers a range of behaviours and emotions like anxiety, agitation, distress, physical side effects like fatigue, withdrawal, and interference with daily work and social activities that are associated with avoiding certain types of foods. Studies have shown how highly processed and junk foods meet the same criteria as tobacco for addiction, highlighting their addictive potential based on scientifically established criteria. Let me explain the mechanism of this addiction. High-carb, high-fat foods deliver a dopamine high. This starts the craving which makes people keep looking for the next sugar hit. I've mentioned in my podcast on cravings that when you restrict a certain food, despite eating enough calories, you start craving them. So when you follow keto, you are likely to crave carbs. But reduced exposure over a period of time and replacing them with healthier, more satiating options will reduce the carb cravings. Now coming back to dopamine. It's a type of neurotransmitter that is associated mainly with pleasure, reward and motivation. High or low levels of dopamine are associated with several mental health and neurological diseases. The brain lowers the number of dopamine receptors in response to the constant dopamine high. This drop in dopamine receptors explains the depressive symptoms that are often associated with food addiction. Just thinking about junk food can get the dopamine running for many people and the more they continue on this path, the worse it gets because the dopamine receptors keep reducing. Let's look at the potential similarities of addictive substances and high-carb foods in how they affect the brain. Both activate the same pathways triggering dopamine and reward regions in the brain. Both can lead to a need to use increasing amounts over time due to tolerance, which is caused by changes in brain signalling. Both are associated with difficulty in quitting, producing negative withdrawal symptoms when trying to reduce or quit. When we speak specifically of food, it means that they are sufficiently rewarding to consume even when one is full. If there is a decreased response of the reward system, one may experience less satisfaction after eating. As a result, larger amounts may be eaten to achieve the same reward response. A similar effect called tolerance is seen with drug or alcohol addiction. Now here comes another surprising part. It's not compulsory that this trait is shown by obese or overweight people. This can also be seen with people who are normal weight or are underweight. The worrying part is that many people do not consciously realise they have these traits. Addiction to a food item that has been a part of our plate since generations seems unreal. To throw some numbers, in humans, symptoms of food addiction are more prevalent among adults in the overweight and obese categories with an average of about 25% compared to that seen in adults in the normal weight category with an average of 11%. Two studies that used a child version of the Yale food addiction scale in children and adolescents reported prevalence rates between 3% and 7%. A study comparing adults with overweight obesity found hormonal differences, for example, a prolactin, thyroid-stimulating hormone, between those who met criteria for food addiction and those who did not. These data show that biological and hormonal factors are associated with both weight and food addiction. Being wired differently can cause food addictions, bad food choices, maintain them, and the end result is obesity, which further complicates the wiring. It doesn't end there. Genetic contributions to food addiction seem plausible given the fact that addiction has an estimated heritability of 50 to 70 percent. So, yes, we can blame someone else for a change. Just kidding. Inheriting this trait means more work, by the way further let me highlight how obesity is not always a matter of willpower fat tissue growth is controlled by hormones obesity is a result of hormonal imbalance the important ones being testosterone estrogen insulin and thyroid hormones the amount of fat we store and burn depends on the hormonal makeup which is determined by our genes our genetic makeup decides how our hormones respond to the nutrients and thereby regulate the storage, mobilization, and the regional distribution of fat in our body. The nutrients, when out of balance, can dysregulate fat tissue. Some nutrient combinations can actually drive us to eat more, overwhelming the satiety centers in the brain. Studies show that obese individuals may have defective satiety signaling. There could be a receptor defect of the hunger hormone ghrelin, leading to increased food intake. So, eating a nutrient that has low satiety value can complicate this further. Obesity can also cause leptin resistance, which further drives and maintains obesity. We are quick to blame overeating and weakness of character or lack of willpower, but not on biological mechanisms like hormone actions, defective satiety signals and genetics of obese individuals. Obesity is a complex, multifactorial, relapsing disease all factors may not be under the control of one's willpower. What is in our control is changing the composition of the nutrients in a manner that the brain receives satiety signals at the right time, causing us to stop food intake before it's already too much. So, at the end of the day, it's not so much about willpower, but it has more to do with the addictive nature of such foods. And now comes the million-dollar question. How do you observe potion control with a food that controls you? Lots of experts talk about mindful eating. Hello, mindfulness must be exercised before you're exposed to the food, not after when you're already in beast mode. I've discussed this in my previous podcast, Cravings. Do listen to it. So here are some tips that can switch off your beast mode. Tip number one, adopting the low-carb, high-fat approach makes more sense compared to the low-fat approach within the same amount of calories choose foods that reduce fat storage and increase fat burning. Some propose that people lose weight on low-carb diets because they are eating less. In fact, the need to eat too much and too often goes down on these diets as there is immense energy available and the body is not sensing deprivation and the need to refuel. In short, the fuel gauge is consistently on F, which is a good thing. Now the remedy? The tip for the big breakup with carbs An interesting study was done by a UK-based psychologist where a three-month online program of a low-carbohydrate diet together with counselling significantly reduced food addiction symptoms. Lowering or eliminating carbs is the way to go like any other addictive substance. Many of my clients say that they'd rather be off carbs completely than eat some and observe potion control. Insulin sensitivity and carb tolerance, or the body's ability to burn carbs for energy rather than storage, does get better with abstinence. Even those who follow and regain control may have some loss of control when consuming it again, making it difficult to go back on the diet just like other addictions. Common sense tells us that if we achieved our goals by eliminating carbs, then putting those carbs back in the diet takes us down the old road again. Hannah, bringing them back in a phased manner can also be a slippery slope for some of us. But again, we do not promote deprivation and hence a cheat meal strategically planned will not throw you off the wagon. Make peace with low-carb living. Be ready to make it your lifestyle and enjoy your favourite foods as occasional treats and that is your formula for sustainability, breaking up with carbs and lead a life of energy and vigour. So let's wrap today's episode with this and I'm going to see you next week with more topics on health and the right methods of implementing them. Remember, don't blame the butter for what the bread did. Do subscribe to the podcast Mind Your Fitness. It's available on BingePods, Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcast from. If you have any questions, you can reach out to me on my Instagram handle Shweta_Bhatia. underscore